Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together and to fellowship you. Father, we pray now that this word will go forth and it will not return void, but we accomplish what you sent it to do in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen. So um, I'm five years deep. And I have not knowingly or intentionally repeated any jokes. In fact, I think there's only one time that I have repeated a joke. But I'm out. I mean out. I, I have scoured the, the World Wide Web and, and I'm out. So I'm going to tell you a rerun. <clears throat> so this old cowboy goes into a barber and he tells the barber he needs a haircut and a shave. And he said he has really struggled with the shave because his face is so old and wrinkly that it's really hard for him to get a nice clean shave. And the barber said, no problem, I got just the thing. So the guy does his haircut, and he goes to shave him, and he hands him this little glass ball, and he says, pop it in your cheek. So he pops it in his cheek, and he shaves that side, and he pops it in his cheek, and shaves that side. He takes the ball out, and he puts it back in the cleaning solution. So the old cowboy, the curiosity got the best of him. He said, hey, j just out of curiosity, what would have happened if I swallowed the glass ball? And the barber said, oh, it's okay, you can bring it back in a couple days like everybody else does. <laughs> My wife hates that joke. <laughs> that is her definition of a dirty joke. She says that's a potty joke and it should not be funny. All right, so uh, what we'll talk about today is, is faith, but the title is Faith in What? <clears throat> See, the, the, the idea of faith is, is believing or having assurance in something, right, that, that, that's not guaranteed. And so we have, everybody has, lots of faith, right? You have faith that your car is going to crank most of the time when you turn the key. You have faith that the light switch is going to work. I mean, you have faith that the bench was going to hold you when you sat down. I mean, I didn't see a whole lot of y'all pressing on the bench. And, but we put our faith in some things that are not deserving. And, and it's, it's part of our culture, right, and part of our heritage that we inherently put faith in like the government, or faith in like the public service, or faith in things that really shouldn't have our faith. So unfortunately as Christians, right, we are, we are not of this world, but we a lot of times as Christians put our faith in this world. We put the faith in the school or the, the whatever, right? I mean, I mean, some of us are still silly enough to put faith in Carolina's football team. I mean, we put faith in the craziest things. But it, it's, it's important as a Christian, especially where we are right now, that your faith rests solely in God. And it does not faith in Walmart, or it's not faith in your job, or it's not faith in the economy. It's not faith in the power company. It's faith in God. That God supplies all our needs through his riches and glory. And as times get tougher... That is going to come a whole lot more. I mean, James says that if you try your page, try your faith, it produces perseverance. So when we, as Christians, we should stand on God's word. I've seen a lot of stuff in the, and, and here again, looking for jokes and whatever and just being entertained. I've seen a lot of discussions between this, this church leans more left or this church leans more right. And, and, and I saw a guy respond to that, and he said, we don't lean. We stand firmly on God's word. 
I, I saw a pastor this week that said that, that everybody that ever preached that you were born into sin lied, that, God, that you were saved from birth, that you didn't have to do anything, that God loved you, that you, nothing could separate you from the love of Christ. Now, that last part is true. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ once you become part of the body of Christ. But when Adam fell in the garden, man had sin in his blood, right? That's why Jesus was not fathered by a man, but by the Holy Spirit. So our faith and what our faith is in, right? And, and, and you think, and I know I'm, you think I might be reaching for stuff, but, but it, inevitably... There is somebody in here that has faith in Ford trucks or faith in, I mean, it's kind of really not faith that's more true, but faith in Honda four-wheelers. I mean, there was a time to where we had 40 Honda four-wheelers in the small, and you couldn't kill them. Couldn't kill them. We would drive them out into the river as far as you could drive them and then sink them. Like, kills the motor, right? Nope. You get off a Honda four-wheeler, it floats back to the top, you pull it up on the hill, Take the spark plug out, run the starter for just a second. It pumps the water out of the block. Put spark plug back in, and it crank up and run. We did that. We had a guy show up with a Yamaha one time. He did that. Far as I know, it never ran again, ever, in the history of time. So, but we put faith in things. We put faith in, you know, what kind of baking goods we use or what kind of shotgun you shoot. Or, I mean, you have faith. It's in your things. It's in your stuff. You have faith in your bank. You have faith that when you show back up to the bank tomorrow morning, that all of your money is exactly where it was on Friday when you left it. I mean, we do. We live in a world to where we operate in faith. I mean, have you seen your money in the bank lately? Have you went there and said, hey, I need to see all of my money. I need to set it out here on the counter just where I can make sure you got it. I'm going to give you a little word of advice. They don't got it. It is not there. If you go there to cash a check that's over a couple hundred bucks, they start getting real squirrely real quick. And even then, we have faith in that piece of paper, right? I mean, that green piece of paper looks like that. We have faith in that. Because of what? Our faith belongs solely on God. So if you will turn with me to start to the book of Proverbs, because this is really, really a Proverbs uh, sermon. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and need, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. That lean not on your own understanding. Am I the only person that that really hurts? Right? I, I try to cipher and figure and understand and learn and teach and figure out exactly how you're supposed to do it. And even when you do it exactly like you're supposed to do it, it don't work. And I go, I know that was supposed to work. That leaning not on your own understanding is a warning to keep you with your faith in God and not in you or in your abilities or in your stuff or in your belongings. <clears throat> I, I, I know I keep saying this and I, I've repeated myself a couple of times and I'm sorry, but, but I'm not saying Jesus is coming back tomorrow, but I can tell you we're a week closer than we were last time I spoke to y'all. 
And it's going to keep happening until he shows up, right? So if you have faith in anything that's excluding God, it is getting flimsier by the day. It, as much as you can have faith in anything, it's getting, if it's not in God, it is getting flimsier by the day. Time is running out. And as we get closer and closer, the Bible says that, well, let's don't quote it. Let's read it. Crystal fussed at me last week. <clears throat> Turn with me. Well, I guess I need to open my book. I'm going to try to stay in order. Oh, well, I'll stay in order. So what is faith? I kind of said it a minute ago, but let's read it in the, in the Bible to where we have the biblical understanding of what the word faith means. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Hebrews 11 1 says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Right? And then Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Fame, right? Because if you continue down Hebrews 11, it says, By faith, this person did something amazing. And by faith, this person did something amazing, right? But faith is a confidence in what we cannot see. It's the understanding and hope of assurance and something that is not necessarily, like I don't have to have faith that there's a podium here. I can touch it. Before I walked through those doors, though, I had faith that there was a podium here because it was here last time. Unless somebody came and moved it, I was pretty certain it was going to stay here, right? I don't think people's in the business of stealing podiums. The problem is, as we get into having faith in what we can see, gets bigger than the faith in the stuff that we cannot see. See, we can't see God face to face. But I have more faith that God has saved me and set me free from my sins than I have faith that this podium is standing here. I have more faith that God is going to honor me and love me and never separate me from his love than this podium will be here next week or next month or next year. There could be a hurricane or a tornado or a fire or a flood or a whatever and move this podium, but nothing can move me out of God. Can't. So our faith has to be in God. Because you say, well, yeah, you know, but I got a good job and I got a good pension. Yeah, yeah. Right up until the Great Depression, all of those people had all of those same things. And then the stock marketers were jumping out the top of the building. How about if the dollar dissolved, went away, just didn't work anymore. And all of the dollars that you have were no longer any good. Come up with some new currency. Doesn't matter. I have faith in God. He will supply my needs through his riches and glory. I know that's tough. How about if the government dissolves and it goes away and there is no more United States of America? It's only been around for a couple hundred years. God's been around from the beginning. My faith is in him and not in this. My faith is in God and not in the world's systems. It's not in the world's economy. It's not in the world's government. It's not in the world's leaders. My faith is solely in God. And when we put ourselves to have our faith solely in God, everything else around us can pass away and it does not affect us or move us. 
Now, I know that's easier said than done. So let's turn to Galatians. <clears throat> and I found this very interesting as I was preparing for this. This scripture in Galatians, I don't think I ever read it like I'm fixing to read it. Uh, Galatians chapter 3. Um, verse 10. The first sentence is what got me. For all who rely on the works of the law are under the curse. For all who rely on the systems of the world are under a curse. So what do you rely on? And then I started thinking about, like, what do I rely on? Like, you know, silly stuff like Benelli shotguns. And I rely on Benelli shotguns. I mean, I, like, like a lot. Like, I have a, a problem. I rely a lot on Benelli shotguns. I rely a lot on a lot of things that doesn't line up with God's Word. And, and, and as I was preparing for this, I started, like, throwing down those golden calves, right? Like, what, do, what really should make me happy? Like, like, where is my purpose in life and where is my faith? It is it my neighbor to do the right thing or is it my job to do the right thing or is it my government to do the right thing or for my football team to win or for my gun to perform like it's supposed to or for the hunting club to be where it's supposed to be or the dogs to do what they're supposed to do. I mean, you really think about what you depend on and what you rely on. So it is written, cursed is everyone <clears throat> who does not continue to do everything that is written in the book of law. So if you just base yourself, if your faith is relying on the good works of the law, that I don't steal, I don't commit adultery, I don't do all of the things that the Ten Commandments say I do, it says, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything that's written in the book of the law. Which, you know, includes how far you can travel on a Sunday and whether or not you work on a Sunday and, or Saturday, right? Saturday. 11, clearly no one relies on the law as justified before God, for the righteous will live by faith. That, that sentence right there, that quotes, he's quoting a scripture, right? It's Old Testament scripture. It's quoted three times in the New Testament. Once in Romans, once here, and I don't remember where the third one was. It don't matter. One than Hebrews. For the righteous will live by faith. And when he says for the righteous will live by faith, he really means faith in God. If you go back and look at where it was written originally, it is talking about God. In fact, let's go look where it was written originally. And I am terrible at Old Testament names. So it's Habakkuk. Hab Hab Habakkuk. Anybody got a view? Yeah, somewhere close to that. Uh, chapter 2, verse 2. There you go. Take you a second to find it in your Bible if you don't know exactly where it's at. And then the re re Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that the hero may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time, and it speaks of the end. It will not reprove faults. Though it may linger, wait for it. <clears throat> it will certainly come. It will not delay. Now, 
Sounds like you could have wrote this last week. Uh, verse 4, see the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. And in verse 5, it goes back talking about the enemy. Indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never rests because he is greedy as the grave. And like death is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the people. Now that's talking about the enemy. So the whole part of this is talking about the revelation of the enemy. Verse 4, the enemy is puffed up and his desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness in God. That's what's quoted in the New Testament. Right? So it's no matter what the enemy is doing, that he is puffed up, that he's not upri um, upright, that he's arrogant, he never rests, that he's greedy, that he's attacking all the nations of the world. Right? But... The righteous will live by faith. Now, see, that seems like, like if, you, if somebody would have wrote this down this week, this seems very real. It seems like a time to where we can see the enemy puffed up. We can see the greed of the world. We can see the attack of the enemy. All of a sudden, like it's, it's not hidden anymore. It's in music. It's in movies. It's in the news. It's in everywhere. But... The righteous live by faith. See, that's us. We are supposed to walk in God's faith. Not faith in the system, not faith in the government, not faith in the things that are around us. That we have faith in God that he is righteous and holy and that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. And if you are a child of God, that should be squarely where your faith is based. We put faith in houses and clothes and cars and people and things. And our faith belongs squarely on God. <clears throat> Turn with me to Hebrews 10. Ten. Nineteen. Hebrews ten nineteen. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, since we have a great priest over the house of God. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and make full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled and cleansed from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who has promised is faithful. He is faithful. He who promised is faithful. That's where our faith belongs. The promises of God that have been set forth in front of us, that's where our faith belongs. <clears throat> as we grow and mature as Christians, right, this faith is like a muscle. It's like, it's like an exercise muscle. Right? If you don't use your faith very much, 
and it's not very strong. When James says that when we test our faith, it produces perseverance. Y'all ever had a time where you needed a little bit of perseverance? <clears throat> all, my, all my college kids that have got to that, you know, middle of the semester, especially that first year. It's, it's really, I had this conversation with Mary Page the other day. That first year, like end of September, middle of October, everything kind of is not as fun anymore. All the new is gone. You start to look for pencils in the bottom of your book bag. Y'all probably don't even have pencils anymore. Y'all do it on laptop. It, it takes some perseverance. It takes some things to where you just have to set your foot down and you say, I don't care what else is happening. I know what I'm going to do. That's what it is to be a Christian, that I don't care what the world system says. I don't care what's taking place around me, that I know that I know that God's word is true, and we're going to stand squarely on God's word. And whatever happens around us, I don't know that it matters. I mean, it does matter. It matters to our neighbors and our friends. In this... Right here, right, the righteous will live by faith. This right here is why we should be... Thank you, Jesus, the air conditioning cut on. Whoo, hallelujah. I know it's cold outside, but it's hot up here. <clears throat> I lost my train of thought, doggone it. Yes, that is why we're evangelists, right? That the righteous walk by faith. And the thing that we have, right is that we are righteous through the blood of Jesus. So our job as Christians are to create more righteous folks. We can't make them righteous. We can help them understand what it is to be born again. And once they become born again, they become the righteousness of Christ. See, that, that, that's what's going on. So as the world crumbles around us, we stand solidly on the rock of Christ. Right? What you can do to help is, is well, you, you, you can't fix the government or the economy or the world or the enemy. But what you can do is you can get more folks standing on the rock. By faith, we start to expand the horizons around us. And I know, I, I don't know why God is, is man, uh, every sermon I have is leading right back here to personal evangelism and, 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 and you sharing your witness and having faith in him and walking according to his faith. But it's important, and man, there's somebody standing outside the circle that needs to be inside the circle. But our faith should lead us to be evangelists, that we are testifying to people around us, that we are sharing the gospel, because time is running out. And you say, well, you know, I don't know if that's really true or not. And nobody, everybody likes to quote that. Nobody will know the day or the time. I get it. But it's getting closer. Th things is happening. There's, there are signs and wonders. It is, it's, it's fixing to happen. But, 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 you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Philip's got a friend, knows a boy, right? On a hunting trip. Unbelievable hunting trip. Hunt trip of a lifetime, scouting ducks, hits a moose. Anybody knows what happens when you hit a moose? It's not good for you. Young man got killed in a car wreck, 26 years old. Tomorrow, 
is not guaranteed. And that's not a scare tactic. That's just that's life. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Your neighbor's not. Your cousin's not. Your brother's not. Your uncle's not. That old sorry dog that you've been meaning to share the gospel with is not. As we have faith in God, right, we should be about sharing that faith. And that faith goes two ways, right? It is the faith, but it's also the faith in God. And when we share the gospel of the good news, well, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Second Corinthians, I'm going to try to get back on track. I've got to be running out of time. Second Corinthians. <clears throat> nope, it's in front of Galatians. Chris bought me a new Bible. I just ain't been man enough to bust it out of the package yet. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> uh, we'll start with verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith and not by sight. See that, that not promise tomorrow that as long as we are home in the body... That we are not in the presence of God. Because we know that when we're absent from the body, we, we will be in the presence of God. If we have made those commitments and, and accepted Jesus as our personal Savior. We live by faith and not by sight. That means I don't care what's happening around me. That it looks like we're losing or looks like we're winning. It doesn't matter. God says that his word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It does not move. It has not changed. It will not move. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Amen. So if and if we plan on spending eternity, I think we ought to be in the business of getting to know what Jesus' word says. I think we ought to be about doing what, renewing our mind and studying our Bible and understanding what is in front of us. Our faith is It's a personal choice. You get to decide what you have faith in. I can't make you have faith in something, right? I can't make you think that South Carolina's going to have a good football team. That's silly. Why would you have faith in that? I don't know why I have faith in that. Doesn't make sense. But what I can tell you is, is you need faith in God. That it needs to be squarely set on Him. <clears throat> because it... it and it always goes around and around in a circle. When you, when you start talking about faith, it, it, it's always, when, this pulpit, always, somehow, when we talk about faith, always comes back to healing, right? First Peter 2, 24, we, we already heal. But I just want to read one, one little scripture and then we're going to be done. Mark, the gospel according to Mark, chapter 9, and I won't read the whole thing. Oh, man, I got to read a little bit. Uh, verse 20, 920. So they brought him, <clears throat> and when the Spirit saw Jesus, he immediately threw the boy into convulsion. So this is a little boy that's possessed by a spirit. And he fell on the ground, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy, Father, how long has he been like this? The dad said, from childhood, it's often thrown him into the fire or to the, into the water to try to kill him. But if you can do anything... Take pity on us and help us. And I'm not saying Jesus was offended, but he answered it, if you can, 
If, if you can. If I can. And Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. Everything is possible. What they say? I believe. Our faith in God, and, and really what he says right there is, is pretty good. I'll, I'll finish with verse 24. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Man, what a good statement. Lord, I have faith. Help me overcome my unbelief. Help me have more faith in you. Help me be a better witness to my community. Help me. <clears throat> our faith should sit squarely on what the Word of God says and our faith in God. It should not be moved. It should not, it should not be even be in question. And if we can get to the place to where we believe what God's Word says, regardless of what's taking place, it makes us more usable for the kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We pray that this word will go out and it will not return void. Father, we thank you for this prayer to help us with our unbelief, Father. Lift us up. We just give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.